word. And Real Life Church, I want you to know just how much I love you. I miss you. I miss being with you. I miss seeing you face to face. I miss singing with you, praying with you as a congregation. Uh, I want you to know you're in my heart. I love you. I'm praying for you, praying for God's um, grace to abound in your life. And before we jump into the word, I just want to pray, and then we'll jump into our text for this morning. Father in heaven, I, I thank you for um, this body of believers. I thank you for Real Life Church. I thank you for everyone who's watching, which would include more than just Real Life Church. I pray that your Holy Spirit would powerfully work in the lives and hearts of each one watching and listening this morning. Lord, these are strange times, different times, uncertain times, and you are the God who does not change. You are the God who is our anchor and our rock. And so we put our confidence and trust in you. Speak to us now through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 26 if you're not already there. And I'm going to read a couple of verses in Isaiah 26 in just a few minutes. But just hold your, hold your place there and we'll get there shortly. You know, today I want to talk to you about the peace that God offers true, lasting, real peace, the kind that God offers. That's the only kind God offers, is true, lasting, real peace. The way Paul describes it in Philippians 4 is peace that passes or surpasses all understanding. We live in a world of trouble and pain and fearful things, and we need real peace. We live in a world of trouble Eliphaz, who was one of Job's friends, said something very true. There's a lot of things Job's friends didn't get right, but Eliphaz got something right in Job 5.7 when he said, man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. Man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. You don't have to live very long to figure that out, to actually know that to be true. In a fallen world, we are born to trouble. We have big troubles. We have little troubles. We have physical troubles. We have emotional troubles. We have personal troubles. We have troubles in relationships and families. We have troubles in communities. We have troubles in churches. We have troubles in states and nations. And sometimes there's a global trouble that affects people across the globe. We live in a world of trouble and we are born to trouble. Jesus promised it even to his followers. It's not that Christians are exempt from this. Jesus promised it to his followers. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He promises it. COVID-19 hits on all of these. Personal, all the way to global, right? As of now, actually as of last Thursday, I think, 148 countries have been affected by this virus, coronavirus. Each state in the United States, many communities, many families, many churches, and then, of course, the individuals. And this doesn't include the indirect and yet real ways it affects many, many people. So there's those that have the virus itself, then you have families of those and friends of those that are sick and then you have all the other indirect ways 
those who are out of work right now and they, they're losing their means of income, those who are seeing their wealth shrink, their life savings shrink, families and friends separated from personal contact. Of course, the future seems extremely uncertain. We're not sure how long this is going to last. We're not sure how much longer we can go on like this. I think of a couple of my kids, especially, and others. And most importantly, how do we as Christians continue to live faithfully for Christ in this time? Well, the peace of God is custom designed for times like these. The peace of God is tailor-made for the time in which we live. When all around life is sunny and fun and everything's abounding, peace seems rather irrelevant. We don't need it or we think we already have it. But the reason peace is such a hot commodity is because there are enemies of peace lurking everywhere. Life is like walking through a landmine field. And this coronavirus is exposing just how fragile people are. Just how fragile we are in reality. Just how quickly our lives could change in a drastic way, just how quickly our lives could end. But also, how close to the edge many people are emotionally. Fear has struck many people, maybe many of you watching. The reason the scriptures tell us over and over again to not fear or to fear not or to don't be anxious about anything, different variations of this command to not be afraid is twofold. One, we are commonly given to fear. But the other side of it is there is a lot to be afraid of when we live without reference to God. The world is a terrifying place if there's no God. Or even if you're a Christian and live largely, or professing Christian and live largely without reference to God, the world is a terrifying place. Who would dare want to go outside their doors? In a world of trouble, we need the peace of God. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, God wants to give us peace so that we can be strong and spread peace. He wants to, to, to give us peace so that we can be strong in him and then spread the peace to others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When we know God's peace, like sons and daughters of God, we will resemble him and we will spread it to others. Only when you and I are strong and secure in God are we strengthened to look outward in love and compassion and concern for others. 
Fear has a way of turning us inward on ourself. It gets us into this kind of the self-preservation mode where we want to make sure we're covered on all sides. That's what fear does. It's very isolating, anxiety and fear is. Peace makes us strong and, sec- and secure in Christ for the sake of others, for the sake of our family and our friends and our church and our neighbors and all of this to the glory of God. We, I mean, without question, we live in extraordinary times, extraordinary times, unusual times. And I believe God wants to do extraordinary things in this time perhaps drawing many to himself. Author Andy Crouch gives some powerful insight when he said this. He said, if you were a first century Roman, after you had recovered from the plague, where would you want to go and worship? At the pagan temple, whose priests and elite benefactors had fled at the sign of trouble? or at the household of the neighbor who brought you food and water, care and concern at great risk to themselves. And so, for our own soul and for the glory of God and for the good of others, we want this peace, don't we? We want this peace that God gives. Peace in uncertain, troubled times is what we need. And so let me read, that was just all intro. Okay, let me read Isaiah 26, verses three and four, and then let's see what God has to say to us, okay? Isaiah 26, three and four says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I love that last phrase. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. There's three, thing, three things we see in this passage. First, the promise of peace. Second, the God of peace. And third, the recipient of peace or the one who receives peace. Let's just work through these one at a time. First, the promise of peace. Isaiah, the prophet, addresses God and he says, you, God, will keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's the promise. Now literally the text says, you keep him in peace, peace. The Hebrew way of of emphasizing something or the Jewish way of emphasizing something was by repetition. Whereas we have lots of different ways to emphasize something in writing. We might underline it or put it in bold or all all capital letters or exclamation points and so forth. The Jewish way of emphasizing something was by repeating. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. You keep him in peace, peace. Think of when Jesus, many times in the Gospels, prefaces what he's about to say with, truly, truly, I tell you. When his hearers heard that, they were like, okay, I better listen up. 
So the promise is of peace, peace, emphatic peace, perfect peace. The peace that God offers. But what is this when it's, when it's experienced? Well, it is a deep, abiding sense that everything is okay. Do you have that? Everything is okay. Out there, it's crazy. In here, everything's okay. It's gonna be okay. There's no war in the soul of the one who has this kind of perfect peace, this kind of peace, peace. No concern about tomorrow. All is at peace. How can we know this peace? What does it actually mean if we have it? Well, we, we don't just go into a dark room, close our eyes, and turn in on ourselves and repeat the mantra, peace, peace, mindlessly. It's not a pretend peace. It's not a mind over matter. I want to suggest that th- this peace means at least three things. I mean, much more than this, but three things for sure. First, this promise of peace is peace with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's peace with God, and it starts here. It all starts here. This is the peace of salvation. This is the peace of knowing that we are accepted by God, loved by God, brought into God's family. The reason it starts here is because without this peace, Whatever peace you might experience in life is going to be short-lived at best. There's going to be a a short duration of peace and it's going to be built on a crumbling foundation. This is the foundation, peace with God through Jesus. And we can't overlook this foundation. We can't assume it. Everything else is built on this foundation. Everything else I say about peace today is built on this foundation. This is true Christian peace. Peace with God. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified, to be justified means to be declared by God not guilty. You and I are full of sin. We've sinned against God from our birth. We have lots of guilt because of our sin and yet when we trust in Christ, the moment we do, God declares us justified or not guilty or righteous and because we are justified by faith in Christ we have peace with God our guilt is no longer causing enmity between us and God we have peace with him it all starts right here because of the work of Christ The wrath of God has been removed. The guilt of our sin has been removed. So I ask you today, 
Is your faith in Christ alone for peace with God? Is your faith in Jesus Christ alone and not in yourself or anything else at all? It's not faith in Jesus and what you do or faith in Jesus and your family lineage or whatever or faith in Jesus and anything else. Is your faith in Christ alone? If it's not, if you're unsure, then look to Christ alone today. If it is, if you say, my hope is in Christ alone, it's in him and him alone, then you may rest fully assured. You have peace with God. And if you have peace with God, no matter what else may happen to you, in one sense, eternally, you've got it made. You've got it made. You've won the lottery. But there's more. Because when we have peace with God, it, mean, it, it affects other areas of our life. You can actually now today have peace in the middle of stormy circumstances. And that leads to number two. This peace, or this promise of peace, is peace in the midst of circumstances, not when they're gone, but in the middle of them, because God is sovereign. Because God is sovereign. He is never taken by surprise. God was not surprised by coronavirus. He wasn't. He isn't now. And he's not taken by surprise concerning your personal trial. Now the word sovereign or sovereignty, many use this word, right? It's used many times by many people and sometimes there's vastly different understandings of this word. Here's what I mean by sovereign. God is sovereign in that he governs all things in the universe. Mysteriously, we don't understand it, yet infallibly. Ephesians 1.11 says that God works all things, all things according to the counsel of his will. And he does this for his own glory. He has a will. He has a purpose. He's working out. But he also does this for our great good, for the good of his children You and I can have peace in the middle of every circumstance because God is wise and loving. He's a father and he's working all things for the good of his children. For the good of those who have peace with him. There's no doubt. There is no doubt about this. In perhaps the most sweeping promise in all the Bible, Romans 8, 28. That's, I think it is anyways. Here's what we are told. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you, do you hear the confidence in that? Paul, who wrote Romans, said, and we know, we know this. We know this. 
And you and I can say that. We know this, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Paul doesn't say we hope or we are pretty sure or we are almost certain or even we are 99% sure. He says we know. There's certainty there. And because God has spoken it, you and I can have the same certainty. So, are you feeling stir-crazy because you're stuck at home and it's causing anxiety and fear? You're like, how long do I have to do this? You're anxious to get out. You're anxious to get back to life as normal. Are you struggling because your job is in jeopardy or maybe you've been laid off for a, sh- a period of time? You need to ask yourself, I encourage you to ask yourself, what has God up to in this time? Or even more, I encourage you to say to yourself, God, my Father, is doing something good during this or through this. He's doing something good for me. The prophet Jeremiah, speaking on behalf of God, and Jeremiah 32, I think it's verse 40 or 41, says it's the only place in all the Bible, I think, (laughs) I think, where it, it describes what God does with all of his heart and all of his soul. And what he's determined to do with all of his heart and soul is good to his people. So in this time, uncertainty, we don't know what the future holds exactly. We don't, other than what the Bible says. But we don't know what what next week holds, next year. You can be confident that God is working for your good now. And so when when this is in the rearview mirror, coronavirus, and we're back to life somewhat, more normal, we can look and see the glorious things God did in this time. I pray that you would. I pray that you would. God wants you to have the peaceful assurance that he is sovereign. He is not taken off guard. He's not anxious. And he is doing his best work in us when things appear desperate. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in us. That's pretty serious. And he said this, this happened so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Trust him. Find your peace in the God who is wise and loving and good and sovereign. Third, this peace, this promise of peace, this promise is for peace regarding the future because in Christ, God is 100% for you. You need to know this. He is for you 100%. This, of course, goes along with the previous two, but I think it's slightly different He is for you 100% now and forever. Romans 8, 29 and 30, little sidebar. Are you working on Romans 8? I hope you are. 
Real Life Church. I hope you're working on Romans 8. It's such a powerful chapter. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, speaking of Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. When you see the, the, the train of thought in those verses, we see, and this is so encouraging, that from God's foreknowledge in eternity past to glorification in the future, God has you, if you're his child. He has you. He has you. Your future in Christ is secure. And it's from this standpoint that Romans 8.31 asks the question, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God could not be more for us. He's given us his son. David confidently declared in Psalm 56, 9, and I encourage you to do the same, this I know, God is for me. If you are in Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, say that right now. This I know, God is for me. We don't know our futures, right? We don't, know what the future holds for us. Anyone who says confidently that they know the future, they're lying. We don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know how long the coronavirus is going to last. We don't know if it's going to be seasonal. We don't know whether it's going to infringe upon our lives more or less. We just don't know, and that's humbling. But praise be to God, he knows. He holds the future in his hand. And if you are in Christ, he is for you, 100% for you. And he has a future for you that can never be taken away. And I like to say it is brighter than a thousand suns. And because of that, you can have peace. This future that we have with Christ, with Christ after this life is over, after our life on this planet, this future with Christ is going to be endless ages of perfect peace. Until then, we have peace in the midst of trouble here on earth, here in, in this body, on this planet. Then it's going to be unending peace with no trouble. And we need to settle that in our mind. In this life, trouble peace in the midst of trouble in that future world unending peace perfect without any trouble 17th century pastor thomas brooks said believer he says it is only heaven that is above all winds and storms and tempests god did not cast man out of the out of paradise that he might be able to find another paradise in this world the world and you must part or Christ and you will never meet. God wants you to have a, a peace in Christ that is not dependent upon how things are going in this world. So this is the promise of peace. Let's quickly look at the God of peace. The God of peace. 
Again, Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace. Isaiah speaks to the Lord himself. It is the Lord himself who keeps us in peace. If you go to a doctor and they diagnose you with bronchitis and they give you a prescription and you go to the pharmacy and get some medicine and it makes you feel better, you would say it's the medicine that made you feel better, probably not the doctor. The doctor may have done a good job at diagnosing, but it's the medicine that helps you feel better. God himself gives us peace. He doesn't give us a thing or or product called peace. He himself is our peace. He gives us peace in and through himself. Romans 15.33 says this, I love this, may the God of peace be with you all. I just speak that blessing over you. May the God of peace be with you all right now. Be with you. In fact, peace is so much a part of the nature and character of God that his name is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. But notice how the Lord is described in verse four, and this is what I want to focus on this morning. He is the God of peace, but notice how the Lord is our peace or the God of peace is described in verse four. Verse four says the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The God of peace is an everlasting rock. The description everlasting rock is more literally translated, he is the rock of ages. He is the rock of endless ages. Now it's obviously a metaphor describing God as as our strength, that he's immovable, But there's another aspect to this I want to focus on or I just want to flesh out this morning a bit. And it's this. He is the rock of ages in that he does not change. Our God is the rock of ages. The Lord God is the rock of ages. He does not change. He changes not. The Lord God is immutable, unchanging, and he is unchanging eternally. And this is a good thing. We all know people, in fact, we are those people who need to change, right? I have many flaws, many flaws. You just need to talk to my wife, my children, my, those who know me well, and they can tell you I'm, I'm a flawed person. Change is good for us. Sometimes when we're around someone and we're very aware of their flaws and it seems like they never change, it can kind of frustrate us. We think change is good. Change is good for you and I. For, for mere mortals, change is good. And thankfully, by the grace of God, every Christian is changing. But God is flawless. God is perfect. God is The perfections of God are infinite. He doesn't need to change. Imagine if God, imagine if there's a place in the Bible where it says that the eternal God was growing or changing or learning new things. He doesn't need to. He's impeccable in his character and in all of his ways. 
Hebrews 13 verse eight says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is the same forever. Yesterday, today, forever. Jesus Christ does not change. And so, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, is our peace today. Right? He is today. And he will be 10 years from now. And he will be on our deathbed. He is our peace. And the God who is our peace and is for us today and is sovereignly working all things for our good is going to be our peace forever. What if someone gets coronavirus? Is he their peace? Is he our peace, is he our peace then? What if, it, what if I get coronavirus? Is he my peace? Yes, a thousand times yes. The Lord is our peace. He is the rock of ages. Jesus Christ is our immovable, unstoppable, strong, and loving Savior yesterday, today, and forever. Finally, I want to just talk for a few moments about the recipient of peace. We've looked at the promise of peace, the God of peace, now the recipient of peace. Who is this promise for? You might might assume, well, it's for everyone. And that's not true. It's not for everyone. There's a condition here. Let me read verse three again. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. A certain kind of person is described here. It's him or her. It's him whose mind is stayed on you. On you. The one that receives this promise, the one who is the recipient of this promise is the man or woman or child who has a mind that is focused like a laser beam on God, on Christ, on who he is, on what he's done, on what he promises to do. And of course, this is what it means to trust in the Lord. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. This is why peace escapes so many. Even those who profess to be Christians and many Christians do struggle, some incessantly with fear. It's because they're slaves of their ever-wandering emotions and fleeting thoughts instead of keeping their minds stayed on God, the God of peace. Some people are more in tune with the 24-7 news that's come, just being churned out constantly. The financial markets and their desires and feelings than God and what he says. Some are more in tune with those things rather than God and what he says. The fact is we ultimately prove what we trust in by steadfastly fixing our attention on it. And it produces something. So when our mind is stayed on God and his word and his promises, peace. 
And when our mind is stayed on trouble and worry or our job or money or whatever else it might be, then worry, anxiety, fear. Paul says in Romans 8, 6, listen to this, this is powerful. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind, to set the mind on the flesh, the things of the flesh is death, it produces death. And along with that, fear and anxiety, I mean, just all that death brings. But to set the mind on the spirit and the things of the spirit and the scriptures that the Holy Spirit have written is life and peace. Over and over again, we are commanded to set our mind or to stay our mind in a certain direction. Listen to a couple of scriptures. Colossians 3.1. If then you've been raised with Christ, it's just saying if you're a Christian, if you've been raised with Jesus, if you are in him, you've been raised with him to new life, here's what it says. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. 2 Corinthians 10, verses four and five, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Are you doing that? Is that what you're doing? Setting your mind on things above, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. I hope you see the the connection between what you set your mind on and your emotional and spiritual health. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Our minds stayed on him and his truth. Let me just read one passage out of Matthew 14 and we're gonna close here. This is a well-known text, but I just wanna draw something out of it. This is the account where Jesus walks on water. Matthew 14, starting in verse 24, says the boat by this time was a long way from the, the land and it was beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to to, to his disciples walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt Peter, walking on the water, eyes trained on Jesus, stayed on Christ. 
in the storm, right? The waves were beating, the wind is windy. He was doing fine until he took his eyes off Christ and put his eyes on the wind and the waves. And what happened? What tells us? He began to be afraid and sunk. Are you, or, or is there someone you know who is sinking, drowning in fear? We need to fix our eyes on Christ. Do you realize that Jesus is the Lord of glory over every storm? It says after he got in the boat, the storm stopped. Jesus is the giver of peace because he is the God of peace. The kind of peace that you need. And you need to keep your eyes fixed or stayed on him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin, sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we honor you, we worship you, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, in a, in a world where things are shifting and shaking everywhere, your word is solid the grass withers the flower fades the word of the lord endures forever we can take the things that you have spoken to us in your word to the bank i pray holy spirit take these truths and drive them into our hearts for your glory and for the good of your people and for the salvation of those who don't yet know christ we pray this in jesus name